0: So we're talking about reality and facing reality, which is a very difficult thing to do when all the powers that be are trying to sell you a fantasy version of your life, which is one of the reasons I have just been uh, thrilled to be reading this new book by Mary Harrington. I talked about Mary a couple weeks ago, and I'm now almost uh, done. I'm more than halfway through her book. Uh, which is called Feminism Against Progress. Mary is a uh, reactionary feminist, the only kind of feminist we talk to on the show. Uh, And uh, her book is Feminism Against Progress. It is really terrific. Just a riveting uh, work of intellectual uh, incisiveness. She is also a contributing editor at Unheard. Mary, thank you so much for coming on.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: So, I'm just uh, enjoying this book so much, but to begin with, can you explain uh, to the audience, you you come from a very, very um, odd uh, history to get to where you are, to become a reactionary. You're actually reaction, reacting to your own life in some ways. Can you explain <laughs> a little bit of, of, of your journey here?
1: Yes, I'm a progress apostate. I'm a progress atheist, <laughs> but I'm also an apostate from a great deal of the stuff that you talk about on this show and you talk about on The Daily Wire generally. I guess I was I was born in the late 1970s and grew up in the 1990s at peak progress when we all believed that progress, never-ending progress could go on forever before 9-11 and before the Great Crash and everything which has happened since. And I was an early adopter, I guess, of all of the woke worldviews and all the, the progressive beliefs which have since come to eat pretty much everything you care to name. Um, I, I leaned into all of that stuff and took it very seriously, and it was just part of how I wanted to approach life, and I genuinely thought that this was this was the only ethical and authentic way to be in the world. Um, I, I guess I fell off the wagon, to cut a very long story short, very short. So got to, yeah, to cut a long story short, I fell off the wagon. A number of personal events just Lifted the scales from my eyes in a very painful way. A whole a whole set of things which I was working on fell apart, and I came out the other end of that, having having realised that I everything well ha- having discovered that nothing that I thought I could rely on I really could rely on, and that nothing I really believed seemed very true or very stable or really very very like it offered any hope for a way out of where I'd found myself. And the recovery from from that personal. Disaster it took took a number of years, and by the time I came out the other end, I was I well, the, there wasn't really anywhere else to go from from radical on every front you can imagine, apart from the the advice my grandmother gave me when I was in my late twenties, and and she put it in a very very grandma-ish way. You know, she was the wartime generation. She said, "You know, Mary, you should I think you should grow your hair and get married." And what? <laughs> but what but, and because <laughs> at the time I really I was really not doing that. I think I couldn't have been, couldn't have been further from that if I'd tried. Um, and, and what, But what she meant and the way I took it and the way you're know, on reflection was, Mary, have you considered being normal? And and actually, it was very good advice um, for somebody who's I'd, I'd had a go at pretty much everything except being normal. And I thought, well, you know, there's, there's sort of nothing left. You know, where, where else is there to go apart from having making a sincere having a sincere go at being normal? And so I tried it. And actually, as it turned out, you know, a lot of the things which I would believed about being normal just turned out to be. Well, it's is kind of propaganda. And it turned out that actually there's a lot to be said for being normal. And there are some there are some bits of it which I found a bit uncomfortable, but on the whole, embracing beneficial limits turned out to be much more liberating, paradoxically, than than the supposedly much more liberated life that I'd been inhabiting before, which was re- as, as it as I'd discovered. The hard way, riddled with covert power dynamics and you know, in 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 hot to exactly the same set of exploitative tendencies as it was supposedly fighting against and and really didn't didn't offer much of a way out at all. And as it turned out, being normal offers much more of an opportunity to be free and much more of an opportunity or at least I can I can say for myself to be happy. Um so by the by the time I'd figured all of that out, it was about seven years hence and I'd, I'd rethought at least half of my beliefs and decided which of which of my old beliefs I wanted to keep and which I which I didn't. And I guess ever since then my writing career has been about trying to trying to thread that needle, trying to explain, the trying to explain why I kept the bits I did, which included to some extent my some of the some of the takeaways I took from the postmodernism I, I injected into my eyeballs and which scrambled my brain for a solid 10 years. And to an extent, the the those those things which I brought with me from the feminism, which I've I've has been a part of how I approach the world since I was a teenager again, for personal reasons and and and, and the other and the life lessons of which all of us bring with us you know some of which you know, my, my my concern for exploitation my concern for overweening governance you know a, a great deal of the anti-capitalist commitments which i had as a young radical i still have it's just that broadly speaking those tend to be embraced by the new right rather than the rather than the left or such as such as it is these days um, most of the critiques which which now emerge against the the uh, against techno capital and and the and the biopolitical the, the the tyrannical biopolitical state now come out of the right, whereas whereas in my in my twenties they would have come out of the left, and so a, a, a huge amount has shifted. And to a great extent, my political priors are still more or less the same. But if there's one governing theme which has changed, it's that I don't believe in progress. And if you take those political priors, you know the the, the critique of the critique of capital, you know the a, a recognition of the importance of material reality and of sex reality and of the and, and and of the the grand sweep of human culture and human history. And you just you just take off the progress theology goggles. You know, use you still have some of the same themes. You're playing some of the same tunes, but you're playing them in a slightly different key. And although I'd, I've never really thought of myself as a conservative, I tend to be published by conservative magazines because I'm simply not legible anywhere else. It just doesn't make sense for me to be so. So people call me a conservative, but I prefer the term reactionary because it just leaves me a lot freer to do and think as I as as I think is appropriate.
0: Well, it is interesting how simple uh, it is to become a conservative nowadays when the left has gone so far into its own uh, weird fantasy world. Uh, one of the things you talk about in the book is is you had a baby uh, and, and you kind and you kind of liked your baby. Uh, yes. Which, well, uh, which it's, it's,
1: a <laughs> right. Well, well, I mean, this this throws this throws up all sorts of very fundamental conceptual problems from the point of view of liberal feminism, um, because if you if you think about this, the structural, the underlying preconceptions of liberal feminism, somewhere pretty near the root of that is the idea that more more freedom, conceived of as freedom freedom from, is by definition always better. Um, but the problem with, I mean, that, that which is fine if you're, I don't know, 22 and you don't really have any commitments or obligations or um, any, anywhere pressing to be. That's it's kind of it's sort of all right. Um, I say that in a qualified way, but it's, it's sort of all right. But if you're I mean, if you've got a screaming six week old baby and it's 4 a.m. and that baby needs feeding, you can't very well just lie there and say, no, I don't want to. You know, it just doesn't work like that you know there's a there's a visceral set of instincts which you know in all in all but the most unfortunate and exceptional circumstances are going to kick in and it's it's like it's like you've grown an extra body as i've described it in the book it's like you've grown another organ and, and and that's as it, who's, who, that's existentially it's existentially dependent on you, but also your existence is dependent on sustaining this this extra bodily organ that you've grown actually in your own viscera. Um, but it it just happens to be separate from you physically, and yet you have to care for it as though it were your own kidney or your lungs or your heart. That's that it's, it feels that immediate and that brain scrambling. Literally, the nope. only time in twenty years of driving that I've ever damaged the car was when I was trying to go around a tight corner with my hungry baby screaming in the back. It's that brain scrambling, <laughs> um, and it just le- it left me re rethinking everything which I believed about the the separate autonomous individual subject. And I was thinking, well, no, this. Hang on a minute. If, if in order to be a functioning participant in the liberal world, you know, as an autonomous subject, I have to, I have to erase this entire facet of what, of what, of our, of my physiological self, my reproductive role, and also my loves and my priorities, then either, the, either there's a problem with women being functioning members of a liberal polity, or there's a problem with liberalism. And you know, and I, I just reject out of hand the idea that women can't be functioning members of, of of the polity. That that seems absurd to me. There's nothing nothing wrong with my brain, um, and so I and so I've I concluded that this is clearly a liberalism problem rather than a mother's problem. And whereas you know, liberal feminism has chosen to junk mothers, I would prefer to junk liberalism.
0: So uh, as I was reading you give a very concise history of uh, some of the feminist thought uh, that goes on and some of the um, some of the concerns that you have as a feminist and one of the things that just struck me repeatedly was how flimsy the framework is on which uh, critical theory and postmodernism uh, is built they've taken a few uh, observations that people have made since at least ancient Greece and, and the uh, and the old Hebrews, um, you know that that language segments reality and that culture is different in different places. They've taken a few kind of minor observations and they've built on it an entire vast structure uh, that that cannot be supported on those ideas that dis- that make human reality disappear. And so, one of the questions I have is: How do you conceive when you say? I, I loved my baby. I wanted to be with my baby. Who is the I in that sentence? Uh, because this is the thing, I haven't finished the book yet, and I'm not sure um, and I'm not sure where you're going with it in, entirely, but it seems to me that the postmodernism that you followed, the critical theory that you followed, kind of erased that person uh, in, in some very important way.
1: Well, it yes, absolutely. It does erase that person. And I remember really grappling with that in my twenties. And eventually. Um I, I went through some very long, dark, long, dark nights of the soul trying to make sense of all of this in my twenties. Um, you know, including you know, what 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 is this I that exists? Um and I I don't think I really stopped. I don't think I really exited the kind of the the full-on. I mean, I I won't call it a full-on psychotic break, but it was it was definitely sort of it, it was a very deranging experience and it went on for quite, you know, some years, really, really some years. And I don't think I exited that. Until I until I was able to formulate what the eye was that that was observing, and I mean this is this is very metaphysical territory to get into, but I mean I'll, I'll just I'll just say um in, in this context that I, I I I had a direct personal experience of just being me, and and came which I felt that I could trust in, and and I was I was able to begin building back from there. Um, but yes, I mean, it's in in as much as in, in as much as this is a set of a set of really, I would, I would call them theologies, which which set about stripping away um, and dismantling and disaggregating and deconstructing all the way down to the ground level, and then telling people that there's really nothing left there at all, which is which, to me, in my view, is just not true. That's, it's not true that there's nothing left there. Um, and, and and all I can all I can really offer is, you know, I mean, they're they they're, they're all very very keen on lived experience, and I would just like politely to offer my lived experience to say, no, no, you're you're, you're wrong, you're wrong. <laughs> there, there isn't nothing there.
0: I mean, there, there is. Not only is there not nothing there, we are all making decisions about uh, what is good and what is bad. When you say that you love your baby, you're not just saying that you love your baby. You're also saying it is a good thing that, that you do uh, and that you are siding with that love over the ideas. I mean, some of the feminists you quote Uh, Sounded like they needed to be put into padded cells to me. I mean, people who were talking about babies as parasites, people who were talking about um, how horrible it was that this should happen, this this thing should occur to a person in a free society. Um, It sounded like they had left the, uh, the reservation in some way. Where did you where did you get? I mean, I, having gone through a huge transition in my life, it, it takes a certain amount of guts. Where did you find where did that particular courage come from? Is that something that everybody needs to have or is that something that uh, can be taught?
1: You mean the, the courage to have a baby or the courage to, it, it to, to
0: change your mind? <laughs>
1: um, it. I don't even know that I I, I set out to change. I, I I was just left with no other option. Mm, um okay. and I, I you know for for better or for worse um I've always I've always been stuck with the kind of mind that follows arguments to their conclusion um <laughs> yes. and I, I guess that's a <laughs> yeah
0: no that, that doesn't <laughs> it's, it. a, it's a
1: personality thing you know so I'm thinking the... well if, if 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 this then that then it follows that oh crap I mean <laughs> I I I' I, I never, I never expected, honestly, until I was, I, I never expected until I was halfway through writing the proposal for the book that I would end up arguing for a feminism against progress. And I, I typed it out and I was like, no, 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 this is actually, that this is where this is going. You know, feminism has to be against progress. There's no other way for it. And then I was, I was well into writing in, in, into working out the the book itself. When I realized that it, the, the metaphysical place that abortion and birth control occupy within this, the, 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 the long arc of, the contest between the feminisms of freedom and of care, and really, and 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 certainly, it's subsequently having, having reflected on those and laid out those arguments, I've come to see that as just one, one cut at a very much larger problem, uh, of which I've described else in the book as our entry into the cyborg era, or rather the transhumanist era. And in a sense, you know, feminism has been a vector for delivery for, for the, the delivery of that entry into the cyborg era, in as in that. The, to, to the extent that women women believe ourselves to be persons in by virtue of having this technology which undergirds our freedom, which is to say, where we can access personhood to the extent that where it's underwritten by by the technology which flattens our reproductive difference from men, to that extent, every woman who's on the pill is a cyborg.
0: Mm. You know, I, I, I'm out of time. I'm really sorry to be out of time because I'd like to talk to you more about the specifics of this. Where can people find your writing besides reading uh, um, your book, Feminism Against Progress? So
1: Feminism Against Progress uh, is published on the 25th of April, Regnery Books. My my weekly column is at Unheard, U-N-H-E-R-D, which is published in the United Kingdom. My Substack stack is reactionaryfeminist.com, that's sub stack. And you can find me on Twitter at Moving Circles.
0: Mary, I hope you'll come back. I'd like to talk to you more about more specifics. I'm sorry we ran love out of time. That. So <laughs> this uh,
1: has it, been great, and it's a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me.
0: It's nice meeting you. Thanks very much.
1: Goodbye.